Hello, and welcome to another episode of In Awe and Wonder podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Hamilton. Okay, today we are going to be discussing Psalm 93. In my Bible, the title is The Lord Reigns. And this psalm is a very short psalm of only five verses that is like a short introduction type of poem that starts a group of psalms that praise God as king. This goes through Psalm 100 of a main focus of praising God as king. I'll start off by reading the whole psalm here, the five verses. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. So I just have a few things to go through and point out and highlight about each of the verses in this psalm. In verse 1, it emphasizes that the king, or rather God, created and maintains the world. So he is the inventor, the creator, and furthermore, he is the sustainer of the world. And he is the true king or ruler of not only this whole world that is above any earthly kings and powers and authorities, but also over the whole universe. And it shows that he is majestic and strong. In verse 2, we see that God is eternal. He has no beginning and no ending and that he is not created. He has just always existed. There's no one or nothing that created him. He is where it starts. Also, for verse 2, where it says from everlasting, meaning the eternality of God, the study Bible I'm using points out that that was in stark contrast with the theology of Mesopotamia and Canaan in those neighboring regions, the power of the gods varied according to changes in the political arena. There are many times in the Psalms and the whole scripture, especially the Old Testament, that point out how different our one true God is from all of the other gods in the surrounding nations. And today we can look at how different our God is from all of our culture And furthermore, that power is not based on our political landscape. So no matter what our politics are or what is going on in our country politically, God is ultimately the king and in control. And he also appoints or allows whomever gets into power to be there. So whether it is a actual king or queen on earth or other authority, like presidents, vice presidents, prime ministers, anybody, or down to smaller levels, whether it's in our government or not, those people were appointed and or allowed by God to be in that position, whether we agree with them or not. 
It is for God's ultimate purpose, which we don't know, and we may not understand sometimes. It may look opposite to us or contrary to our beliefs or what we think should be going on. But ultimately, God has a plan and is using it for his glory. So at some point, even if it's not till we get to eternity, we will understand things more clearly. So moving on to verse 3, where it talks about the floods. My study Bible notes that floods is an ancient symbol of forces of chaos and evil. So if I substitute the words forces of chaos and evil for floods here, it would say the forces of chaos and evil have lifted up, O Lord. The forces of chaos and evil have lifted up their voice. The forces of chaos and evil lift up their roaring. So this is showing just all the evil that is rising up. Then we go to verse 4, where we see the Lord is on high and mighty. He is high and lifted up, strong and powerful. He's in control and sovereign over the forces of chaos and evil. I'll just reread verse 4 directly again. It says, Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. So it's showing his victory and power over the forces of chaos and evil. And then verse 5, it says, Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. So the decrees is another word for laws. So it would be saying your laws are very trustworthy and holiness befits your house. So tying those together, God has laws because he's holy. My study Bible points out that the laws bring stability and order to humanity through God's eternal kingship. So in other words, it's showing that the forces of chaos and evil would be running rampant and basically like come up like a flood and overtake humanity if it weren't for God's laws that are bringing stability and order to us. And he does this because he's holy. He is also a God of order and peace. And he is just, which means he will bring final punishment to all the evil and will bring it to an end. So I just wanted to go ahead then and highlight a couple of other verses about, well, I think most of them refer to Jesus as king, okay? We serve a triune God who is three in one, and there is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all equal. I don't want to try to describe the Trinity. (laughs) I don't want to possibly wade into some heresy, because I know it's very difficult to try to explain. But God is king, and therefore so is Jesus king. Jesus was our fully God, fully man, human form of God on earth that other humans were able to see and interact with. And obviously, he became our perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins, to impute his perfect righteousness to us who put our faith and trust and belief in him. And Jesus is known as our prophet, priest, and king. All three of those are fulfilled in him. The book of Hebrews is awesome to study, to learn more about that. Many times in ancient Israel, the roles of prophets, the roles of priests, and the roles of king are displayed as different people. 
In other words, it was uh, not very common at all for the same person to be all three of those things. I think there was a king in the Old Testament somewhere who was also a priest. I could be wrong on that. But Jesus was the only one who is all three fulfilling our prophet, priest, and king. And he was our once for all final sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for us. So we no longer need to make sacrifices in a temple to atone for our sins. And furthermore, going on forward in history, uh, we see that eventually everyone on earth, past and present and future, to whenever it happens, when Jesus comes back again, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. In other words, that he is the king over everything. And this is whether the people realize it or not. So whether they were believers or not, they will come to know at some point that Jesus, that our God, is king. And so just a couple of cross-reference verses. We have Psalm 29.10. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. Psalm 72.11. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. That's kind of alluding to what I was saying, that all kings and rulers, even from every tribe and nation, will eventually know that Jesus is the ultimate king. Psalm 102.15, nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. Okay, I'm going to go to Daniel 2.47. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. That was King Nebuchadnezzar talking to Daniel when Daniel is promoted for revealing what Nebuchadnezzar's dreams meant. And going back to Revelation 1.5, this is where John is greeting the seven churches in Asia. So I will just start in verse 4. We'll do verse 4 and 5. So John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. And I know there are many other passages that also talk about God or Jesus as king. To me, his kingship is another word for or synonymous with his sovereignty, that everything is in his control and he is sustaining everything and working it out according to his perfect will and plan. There are also some verses which I did not look up where humans or kings like try to make their own plans, but their ways are actually directed by the Lord. So some things go according to what you or I or anyone else plans, and sometimes they don't. And when they don't, we have to submit that it's ultimately for God's perfect will and plan, both for us and maybe a larger picture as well, that we might not have any idea why or what it's for, what it's about, but we need to trust in God because he's trustworthy and he is faithful and he knows best. So when the culture, the world, and everything seems out of control. And like it does right now, kind of like going down 
slippery slopes and into major sin and darkness, it seems like things are just getting worse and worse, that we have the ultimate king, the sovereign God, the powerful God. And so ultimately, he is our hope and our deliverer, and he is victorious. So we rely on him every day and put our faith and trust and hope in him. And we look forward to when that day will come, when we will see the victory and be part of the victory, and we will rejoice in perfection in eternity. And we should be praying for our leaders every day. So as we're looking at these things, I hope these are encouragements to you. And that will wrap up this episode. The In Awe and Wonder podcast is part of the Christian podcast community, which you can find at podcasts.strivingforeternity.org. And you'll be able to find many, many podcasts. They cover lots of different topics. So you're sure to find one that would interest you. Go check them out. My blog is at www.kristen-hamilton.com. I'm on the social medias, but not real active lately. So you could find and follow me there, though, if you would like. In Awe and Wonder podcast is on Facebook and Instagram. Keep reading your Bibles. 